Ride Report. Welcome back to part three of a three-part series. Sitting down with our Chippewa System Scheduling Committee, going over parent construction with Captain Scott Gelhoff and Captain Danny Oslander. We've covered a boatload of information, and there's there's got to be a myriad of topics that you'd love to come back and discuss with our Chippewa pilots. We probably do a separate podcast for PBS sometime. Oh, absolutely, that'd be it's fun. incredible. We we all you could have just come out and said it's a lot of work, guys. <laughs> it's a lot of work. That's a lot of work, but no, like <laughs> that's, that is incredible. The amount that goes in. And again, like we were saying earlier on a month to month basis is what the three of you are, are tackling every single month. Yeah. Th- this, this is a, a repetitive cycle. Every, every month we have to do all this. And and I think it's, it's really important. I know we've been talking for a while and, and for those of our members who are still listening, thank you for, for staying with us and listening this far. Uh, p- please share it with with the next guy that you fly with because I, I think there's a lot of uh, certainly frustration or, or at least uncertainty on the line as to why can't we just do this, do that, make this change to the pairing outcome. And, and I think it's really important that we all understand uh, as, as line pilots what goes into it and what the mechanisms are that that really make the complexity level what it is in in trip construction and and it's important to think about the fact that as an airline we're flying roughly a thousand flights a day so this this solution that the optimizer spits out it is thirty thousand give or take in a month flights it, it's it's just a ton of moving pieces that it has to figure out how to cover exactly uh, and and you know not double cover flights and not leave flights uncovered and not do the expensive things like deadheading crews where it's not necessary. So it's a it's a very very complicated process to solve. Do you guys mind taking a couple of questions, membership questions wise, when it comes to pairing specific stuff? Sure. The first one is where are my day turns, and to dovetail into that, like the half, right? Where are my high credit day turns? Where where did those go? Why did those just disappear? It's a complicated question. Uh, it seems like it's an easy question, but it's pretty complex because the optimizer is um, trying to cover things to uh, take care of rigs. And so sometimes what will happen is uh, something that you've seen in the past as a day turn ends up being attached to a different trip in order to what, we, what I like to call defeating rig. Um, so if a trip was going to end at five in the morning, you have to pay that ADG rig. So now all of a sudden it goes, well, let me see if I can throw a turn on there if it can. Um, that may be not the, the best example because of the red eye rules. It probably wouldn't allow that, but something in that nature uh, is typically what ends up happening. Think about a 190 trip out east where maybe it would have ended with a Buffalo to Kennedy and you block into Kennedy at 7 a.m. And that's great. It's a commutable end. However, that airplane is now going to go to uh, Savannah and back. And so by attaching that Savannah turn onto that same pairing, we've eliminated a situation where otherwise that first pairing would probably pay ADG and the Savannah round trip would be a five and a half hour uh, day trip. But by incorporating in, we now have what's ended up being a 22-hour four-day where there's no rig to be paid. It's important to note when you're saying, well, well, gee, can't we get more of them? Of late, of the last few months, the Alpa solution has beat the company solution by about 100 turns 
system wide each month. Uh, given that with with moderate credit, thirteen fourteen of the turns ends up being a line of flying. Uh, that means that we're we're able to produce, and, and it, it's not a huge count, but system wide, six to eight more lines worth of turns every month than what's in the company solution. And while while we can't just grab as much flying as we'd like to focus into those turns, uh, we we are specifically targeting it and and monthly we are exceeding what the company's coming up with for the turns when it comes to red eyes and specifically you know a lot of our la based pilots have asked this question why why we just we've always just been railroaded with red eyes why is it that way a big part of that is just how much red eye flying is is in our system uh the the biggest bases in terms of red eyes are, are actually uh, the, the New York base, the JFK base, followed by LAX. And uh, in, in recent months, and I've got July data in front of me here, about 20% of all the block time in each of those two bases was red eye uh, flying. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean a transcon that goes through the red eye period. It, it can mean a transcon. It can also mean uh, an island flight that's an 11 p.m. departure gets in at 4 a.m. That, that counts as red eye block. The, the other bases, it's a little bit lower. Um, Boston, Fort Lauderdale are seeing around 15%, and Orlando and Newark are seeing about 10% uh, of, of their flying being red-eye flying. Uh, this is on the 320 fleet. The 220 right now just has the single base in Boston, and uh, the, the 190 essentially does no red-eyes, uh, at least no planned red-eyes. So uh, what, what happens, of course, is with the pairing construction and with the the segments that get get linked together uh the the net result is is again except for orlando and newark kind of being the outliers between 40 and 50 percent of all the pairings uh in in our big bases in kennedy and boston lauderdale and lax that number 40 45 to 55 percent let's say of all the pairings have at least one segment that touches the red eye period and and it's just there's no good way to corral that red eye flying because of how much there is. And, and there's no great way to, to get it all into, let's say a quarter of the flying uh, because of the requirements of bearing instruction, because of how we have to build trips. Uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is close to half the trips on, on the Airbus right now uh, in, in the 2023 summer schedule uh, will, will have at least one red eye segment. Uh, now, Things that we do about that, 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 again, this is where we feel like our solution set excels over what the company is putting out, is that we work where we can to, to manage those red eyes. In certain cases, we, uh, we use that hard locking tool where we hand build a sequence. Uh, for example, uh, th- there is a uh, LA to Charleston red eye that, that has an AM return the next day. Uh, we actually have forced that particular piece of flying to uh, be operated by East Coast crews uh, in the uh, in the solution set that I'm looking at here right now uh, it was uh, L- or, excuse me it was assigned to the Kennedy base but it, it could have been could have been to to any of the East Coast bases but what it does is it it has a crew that goes out to LAX uh, late in the evening that that very last westbound flight and then turns around and does the Charleston, red eye from LAX the next night. And 
of course, what follows that then is that return to LAX, which is an AM flight. Uh, however, if that was operated by, by an LA-based crew, it would be a 4 a.m. body time duty start. Uh, but by keeping that uh, set of legs to an East Coast crew, it's a 7 a.m. start. So this is the kind of thing that we do to manage and to prevent multiple repetitive red eyes coming into play just because of how they naturally fall in the in the aircraft flow. Uh, and then that, so that crew does then a morning back to LAX and then does a uh, another morning flight uh, eastbound transcom back to Kennedy the next day. So it ends up ends up being a five-day trip, pays uh, almost 26 hours, and it's only four legs. And that, that run, ran in the month that I'm looking at here almost daily in Kennedy. So these are, these are things that we can do to mitigate the impact of the red eyes and to, to combine them in ways that make sense. Uh, specifically looking at L.A. and uh, specifically in the L.A. to Boston and the L.A. to JFK markets where we fly two red eyes every night. Uh, one of the things that we do there is we assign the earlier of those red eye departures to LAX and the very, very late one of those, the ones that leave L.A. at almost midnight local time, are assigned to the East Coast destination where that flight is going, either to the Kennedy or the Boston base. And what that results in is that no crew then is forced to fly all the way through their physiological window of circadian low. The LA crews, for them, it's a late night. Uh, they're they're starting at around uh, 10 p.m. LA time, and they're done by four in the morning body time. And for the very late red eyes, which are the midnight departures on the West Coast, they're assigned to East Coast crews who are then starting at around 2 a.m. body time and, and are finishing at 8 a.m. So so no crew then has to go all the way through that window of circadian low uh, as, as a working crew. And the, a few of these, uh, for example, this, the very late LAX flight, actually, in order to produce a passable safety score on that very late red eye, uh, with an LA crew, uh, the the safety fast system said their crew needs a nap before they show because they have an 11 p.m. show. Well, of course, we know in the reality of dealing with West Coast traffic or getting into your base at LA, it's not viable to get a nap in the evening. But by assigning that segment to an East Coast crew who comes from a hotel, they do have the ability, uh, the 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 arranged ride and the essentially bedroom to van door that you get in a hotel to be able to get that nap before they head out to fly the flight. All right. One last question when it comes to commutability, why does it seem that some bases have more commutability than others? And what is system scheduling doing to ensure that we have a wide array of commutability when it comes to pairing construction and trips? Well, I'll, I'll put a little bit in the front end of this and then Dan, you can, answer the, uh, the the more technical portion of it. But commutability, um, just like we were talking about before, um, commutability is fairly costly in terms of parent construction. And so we have uh, the, the CBA requirement is 30% on four days and commutability is defined in the CBA. And to be honest with you, off the top of my head, I don't remember what the, the time frames are for those. But <clears throat> we look for uh, increasing that to the to the maximum extent possible. And one of the things that, that the ALPA pairing set does 
is looks to balance that to the maximum extent possible so that we don't end up with uh, more commutable in base A versus base B. Um, so for example, because that's a system, a system-wide percentage in, in the CBA, it says 30% by for all 320s, for example. So that means that you could have you know, 60% commutable four days in LA and 17% in JFK. And as long as the whole system was 30%, we'd be uh, a CBA compliant pairing set. The Alpha set strives to balance that much more. Uh, the best example I can think of is the most recent one with uh, JFK in Boston 190 had uh, a huge disparity in commutability. So we shuffled things around and, and made it much more equal. That, that's a that's a great example. And I, I, I pulled the CBA and flipped the pages while we were talking, Scott, and the, the CBA requirement for commutable is defined as a report time uh, after 1100 and a, a release time prior to 1800. So that's the that's the bookends of what defines commutability. And, and now, of course, that may or may not meet any individual pilot's definition of what's commutable for them and based upon their, their circumstances. Sure. Uh, but l- looking at, at what happened with, with the 190 here over the summer, and this is a great example, uh, because of where the flying is focused, where the airplane's overnight, uh, the, the company solution that we got for July and again for August uh, met the 30% requirement. However, it had the same or even more by count commutable trips in JFK 190 than in Boston 190. And for the majority of you that are not 190 pilots, uh, right now the Boston base is is double plus, almost two and a half times bigger in terms of headcount and line holders than the JFK base is. So uh, what was happening is that essentially half or maybe even better than half of the four days in JFK were commutable while uh, in Boston where we have roughly 160, 170 line holders on the 190, there were maybe six or seven lines worth of commutable flying to go around total. So what we did in our solution is, again, using those tools, sliding poker chips from from here to there, we were able to, while, while upping the commutable count overall, significantly shift a lot of that commutable flying up to Boston so that there was a more equitable distribution of commutable flying between the bases. So... When we're talking in general about that flying, uh, we we put a lot of focus on commutable fours and also commutable fives, wherever the five days, wherever the cost allows for us. The impact of the company's rig initiatives and what's reduced a lot of this commutable flying is is that in order to not have trips that are paying ADG, there's been a lot of focus on on targeting that in the optimizer, which which tends to forced trips which would have been otherwise commutable to suck up uh what what we would call a penalty turn you know penalty lap on on one end or the other to make it be an early start with a midday finish or a uh, a midday start with a late finish rather than midday on both sides so those those turns tend to get attached to the bigger trips to the big trips to make even bigger trips and uh we we try to undo that and to to break those loose wherever possible, both to have more turns and also to have more commutable flying. Uh, the the cool thing about it is that since these trips are, are typically four and five day trips that we're talking about in commutability, 
a little bit goes a long way. Uh, three or four of these trips builds a complete line. So uh, when when we can say, well, well, gee, we we got ten more commutable trips in a base, and you say, well, well, ten ten trips isn't a lot, uh, except that it is in terms of these big big credit trips, these four and five day trips. Uh, an addition of ten trips means two plus probably three lines of additional commutable flying were added to that that base and status mm. uh the the company likes to use a tool that's in the optimizer where they can set a target of commutable trips by by count and it twists a lot of other knobs and forces a lot of other things to to just give it the commutability they're looking for and alpa does not view it that way we we do not use that tool we simply are setting uh credit targets in in the big block in the four and five day trips and the the net result of that is that we typically get more and better commutable trips than than the company does in their solutions scott dan cannot thank you guys enough for taking the time out of your day to go through i mean in depth with the work that dan you chris and dunkel just just attack Thank you guys so much. I, as a reminder, the best way to get in touch with System Scheduling Committee is PDR. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, if you go to b6alpha.org and uh, right on the front page there, there's a how do I send a PDR button and just select a topic that's for a scheduling committee and that gets distributed to all our committee members. So whoever is available to answer can answer it most quickly. That's the best way to uh, to get a hold of us. Oh, th- thanks for having us on, Jared. It's been a uh, pleasure to take this opportunity and discuss this today. And I, I really hope this helps for our, our membership at large, for all of our pilots, to understand what goes into this and how we work every month to to build the pairing sets that are. Uh, within the constraints that we have to work with, the absolute best thing that we can produce for our pilots. Absolutely. Dan, Scott, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Ride Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the union pilots of JetBlue.